0: Welcome to the Marketers That Matter Visionaries Podcast, hosted by Nadine Dietz, the GM of Marketers That Matter and EVP of 24-7. The marketing landscape is constantly changing, but we believe that when marketers at the forefront come together to share insights, you can confidently lead yourself, your teams, and the industry into the unknown. The future is here, and it's moving fast. So let's bring on the visionaries from today's top brands pioneering the future and get this conversation started.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm honored to have two incredible ladies joining us. We have Danielle Lee, who is the president of Warner Music Artists and Fan Experiences at Warner Music Group, and Kelly Walton, the head of brand product and integrated marketing at Amazon Music. Woo, can you have longer titles, please? My goodness. <laughs> Hi, Danielle. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to Visionaries. I need Hi, Dean. How are you? I am great, and I'm super excited to have you both with me today. Before we dive into the topic, I would love to hear more about your current role, a little bit about your background, and what inspired you for taking on this role. So, Danielle, how about we start with
2: you? Absolutely. I've really spent my career at the intersection of technology, media, and entertainment. I've always been drawn to roles where we're launching new technologies that fundamentally shift consumer behavior. So early on in my career, that was literally the internet, launching AOL and AIM software. And then moved on to Showtime, where we're launching on-demand and HD. Fast forward to mobile advertising at at streaming audio around the world, at Spotify, so on and so forth. But fast forward to today in my role, I lead a creative agency really focused on helping artists build their brands and business opportunities beyond their music careers and around their music careers. And so we do this through merchandise, content, digital goods, licensing, and a host of other ways. And we know that fans are eager to discover new artists, but also create deeper connections with their favorite artists through their shared interests, right? So we're unlocking those new business opportunities, and that's at the core of what we do. So we develop these bespoke business strategies for our artists. We bring new products and experiences to market all with an eye towards driving fan engagement and revenue. And why I was excited about that, I was really inspired by what Rihanna built with Venti. She really tapped into the fact that there's a substance of consumers and communities that are largely ignored by industries, right? They don't see versions of themselves in the marketing. The products aren't really designed to meet their needs. And so she created a whole new brand that really tapped into beauty and broader spectrum of that, right? And so she's now got this billion-dollar business, multi-billion-dollar business. That's what inspired me to do that with different artists because artists are huge influencers and they really shape culture. And yes, indeed. And we're going to dive into more of how they shape
1: culture in this minute, but- Before we do that, Kelly, tell us about your role. And you know, it's interesting. I have to say, fun fact, you two used to work together. So we'll come back to that in a minute. But yeah,
3: like your current role, Kelly. Awesome. Hey, Nadine, it's a pleasure to be here with you and with my former coworker and good friend, someone I respect greatly, Danielle Lee. My career journey, I like to say, has lived at the intersection of culture, community and commerce. And I use those three words very intentionally because culture has always been a part of the marketing work that I've led and building around communities that have traditionally been unseen or underrepresented in the marketing work that's been done and commerce, because really using those two things has helped to not only drive commerce for the businesses and brands that I've represented, but also for the creators primarily of color who otherwise wouldn't have a chance to have a seat at the table and to make a living off of the very valuable insights and relationships and knowledge that they have, as Danielle talked about with Rihanna as an example. But there's a wide range of creators that you could talk about that are now able to do that. And so that's where my career has lived, whether it started very early in my career at brands like Coca-Cola and Heineken, but going further into brands that are deeper in culture like Hennessy, Under Armour, and most recently, as you mentioned, Danielle and I had the opportunity to work together at the NBA, which was an amazing and wild ride. Um, And currently I lead brand integrating marketing and social media for Amazon Music. And what we do is really build a brand, but through the voice of the artists as well. Our whole vision is igniting fandom, getting fans closer to who and what they love. And that's such an amazing vision to take on. And that's really what excited me about the opportunity at this point in the journey of Amazon Music's growth, as well as some of our sister properties who also sit in the space that we work very closely with, like Prime Video, et cetera, which we'll talk a little bit about later.
1: Okay. Amazing. Wow. It is, again, such an honor to have you both with me. In fact, thank you, Danielle, because you once upon a time did introduce me to Kelly before you guys left the
2: NBA. Yeah. I introduced so many people to Kelly because she is just such an incredible talent. and. This is one of my favorite people. I know why. absolutely agree
1: with you in that. And uh, I do have to give you a little hats off, though, when you did go to the NBA, Danielle. I think you're the first person to invent a new title in the industry, the chief fan officer. What a cool title that is. I definitely got a lot of, what is that exactly? I think I'm just going to give me that title anyways. I'm the fan of everyone here, so I'll take that on. But speaking of fan and fandom, clearly both of you ladies are experts in this topic. I think a lot of people toss it around as a term, but it there's an art and a science to it as well. But let's talk about where fandom was truly born. When you think about fandom, can you help us define it with some of the examples that, you, that really resonated with you? Kelly, why don't we start with you on this one?
3: Yeah, Nadine, for me, it's less about where it was born and how we think. It's more about how it's evolved, right, here especially in the past, call it, I don't know, five to 10 years. When you think about a fan, it used to be a one-way street where someone or a group of someones were devoted to or a spectator of a musician or a sports team or what have you. And it really has evolved into this two-way relationship and being in community. And when you think about some of the most powerful fandoms that we can talk about, I'll just talk in the music space, but like the Beehive, the Swifties, like these are real communities of people who are invested in the success of whomever they're following. They feel in partnership with them. They feel empowered to help grow that success. And so that's really what's exciting to me is how fandom has evolved into this two-way relationship.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think the other interesting thing is that bands are really unafraid to use their voices and wield their power. It's And it's really driven by this desire to make the world a better place. They consider their generation change makers. And it's not just about talking, it's also about action. So they're using their buying power and making purchasing decisions based on their values and the values of the brands that they patronize. And so we're seeing that play out in a really interesting way. For example, Lizzo, one of Lizzo's records, she uses the word staz, which I didn't know was considered a slur. And her fans called her out for using the term. And she changed her lyrics in response to the feedback. which is a pretty unprecedented move, but it's consistent with her brand of inclusivity and making sure that everyone feels like they belong. But it's a great example of how an artist listens learned something new and acted on the new information. And it's indicative of this two-way exchange between creators and fans. That is super helpful context. And I
1: know we're going to be tackling some examples, actually, in just a bit, like live examples. But before we jump into that, if we think about some of the fundamentals behind fandom, you mentioned a lot of great inspirations for you and examples that you've seen. But there's, there's, specific things about fandom that make it authentic and and sometimes like you said vulnerable or you have to be vulnerable you have to be listening so let's talk about authenticity and vulnerability as part of fandom and daniel why i should continue on since you were just talking about that moment there
2: yeah i think fandom goes beyond the fans it's a broader structure of ideas and this Collections of people, certainly, but they're seeking a sense of belonging and feel a connection based on values. And I think it's, you see it in different genres, right? It's not just tied to music or sports. It's, it's across the different genres of literature and TV and film. But at the heart of it, I think it's reflecting relatable stories that happen in our own lives. And it provides an outlet for us to explore that further and look for a way to connect around that. And so I think that's why Lizzo has been such a success because she really expresses in such a beautiful way. She is her full self. She's not your sort of typical pop star. And she says things that are really brave and courageous and declares her own beauty and boldness and I think people are really attracted to it. not everyone's a Victoria's Secret supermodel. And that was the standard of beauty that was held up for so long. You had to conform to certain norms in order to be accepted. And I think she's really shed that and given empowered people to say, yeah, that's, I don't subscribe to that. I'm still a badass, even if I don't look a certain way or talk a certain way. Yeah, for sure. And Kelly, wrapped into this, I think you
1: had offered to share an example to underscores some of what you've been sharing here and Danielle's been sharing.
3: Would now be a
1: good time to share that video that you have or w- when should we roll
3: that? Maybe later on that, but I do have an add-on to what we okay. talked about, which is this notion of authenticity, humanity, and transparency for fandom. And one example that comes to mind for me is, um, as I think about artists, musicians, athletes, et cetera, are also fans themselves and human themselves. Right. And so one of the biggest opportunities to see that come to life and how that plays out in terms of like how fans get to be a part of that is when we were making the NBA's 75th anniversary. campaign, And we had all these amazing NBA current players and legends on set and created a beautiful ad campaign and film. But some of the most engaged with content was some of the behind the scenes stuff that we got, for instance, where we had Donovan Mitchell A current player seeing Bill Walton on set and saying, Hey, I want to take a picture. I want to take a selfie with you. And then Donovan saying, Send that to me. I want to share that out with my community. Or Magic Johnson randomly seeing Trey Young on set and saying, Hey, Ice Trey, I love what you're doing. Let's I want to see more of that in the playoffs this season. Those authentic. Human moment where creators, athletes, the center of the fandom is also a fan and is able to share that with that fandom. We just saw such resonance of that with the NBA fandom community and the fans of those particular players. And I think that speaks to this notion of transparency and actually being in community with your fans and not it just being a one way dialogue out, but a two way conversation. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Daniel. No, that's spot on. I think those are great
2: illustrations and it's real and you can always, fans can always tell the difference when it's real. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And
1: when we think about the dimensions of fandom, we talked about the traits. There's all kinds of other things that feed into it beyond just music and where you connect into so many other categories by default by being in music as part of everything right so let's talk about those moments and how you lean in when you look across your current portfolios i want to hear from both of you so i don't know where to start how about kelly why don't you why don't you go
3: Sounds good nadine i think this is a really interesting topic for us at amazon music and as you mentioned Music is a part of everything, but one area that we've really honed in on is the intersection of music and sports for many reasons. From a consumer perspective, like that really comes to life. It's a personal passion of mine. I'm a big sports fan, but I'm also a big music fan, as you can tell by my career and where I've worked. But it also is a big opportunity for the kind of broader Amazon world, given that Amazon Prime Video just recently signed the rights to Thursday night football. And we wanted to see how we could bring music and sports together around this really interesting point. And one of my teammates had this great notion like, there's Thursday night football, but Friday is when new music drops. It actually drops on the East Coast at midnight on Thursday night. So, what if we stood up this post Thursday night football live music experience to really take advantage of all this energy that happens? You watch the game. What do you go do after the game? It's over. Now you can watch a live music experience and so that launched for us this past year and we had some great artists from anita the brazilian superstar to 21 savage to megan the stallion really come and share music new music that launched after the game and we saw such engagement around this and this actually meeting is the video that i shared if you want to share with the rest of the group i would love to
0: What's up? I'm Two Chainz, and I'm introducing Amazon Music Live. Your favorite artist. first-time performances.
1: We got to hear more about Amazon Music Live and what people can expect.
0: We're gonna merge music and sports fans directly after Thursday night football. Amazon Music Live is back at midnight Eastern. shooting right here, find video and game Live music begins. Amazon Music
1: Live. All right. Thanks for sharing the video.
3: Yeah. I think some of our favorite clips were Al Michaels throwing to Two Chains on a weekly <laughs> basis. It was like really authentic, though. Like he's an authentic fan to, of Two Chains who hosted the series for us. And Two Chains is an authentic football fan. He's widely known to be an Atlanta Hawks fan. So there's such authenticity there and we really tapped into that too with some of the fandom of the artists. I talked about Meg The Stallion. She's a big Houston fan given she's from Houston. We actually had her show after one of the Houston Texans games, So it was really amazing to bring together these kind of two cultural phenomenons in the fandoms. Very cool. Danielle, how about you?
2: Yeah, I think this notion of fans being interested in all things related to The artist is a powerful concept that we really try to lean into work. It's not just their music and they're there for fashion, they're there for the love life, the breakup, the fitness, the travel and everything in between. And so while data and fan insights ground our business strategies, we often draw inspiration from the authentic artist-fan relationship and what's happening organically in, in that relationship. And so we want the work to be part of that broader cultural conversation. So, I wanted to share an example of a work that we did with Rico Nasty. Leading up to Valentine's Day, we were doing some research to identify ways to build her e commerce business. And we saw her post on Instagram where she was posing with some friends and the edited caption, and, excuse the language, cult of cuts. And from now that- on, We were inspired to do this dope merch drop that really captured her fierce persona. So her team loved the idea and the creative. And so hashtag Nasty Valentine's was born. The merch sold out really quickly leading up to the holiday and it was a big success. And this wasn't a music led moment. I think a lot of times we do things that are tied to a new release or an album dropping. But this was just a random Valentine's Day, right? And it was an opportunity to build fandom and to have a different take on Valentine's Day. If you could show the creative, that would be great. Absolutely. And how about that? Does that work? Yeah, that's good. All right. So you can see the products we created. She participated in a shoot, was posting. It was a lot of fun and it was fairly quick and easy to pull together. So this is the nasty Valentine's. I love it. Nasty Valentine's. It's not it's all candy and champagne.
1: <laughs> hey, that looks like my friend Heidi down there in the in in the on the laptop. I wonder if she was calling in there. <laughs> all right, super cool. Thank you for sharing that. I love seeing the examples. It just brings to life so much more what you're saying. As we we started this, a lot of people talk about fandom, but it is, it is extremely complex to build. And, and as you said, it's probably better supported for it to build itself as long as it's connecting in the right ways. Maria had a question, and I think this is, a, Maria, you always come with such tough questions for us, but I'm going to see if we can have an opinion on this. She mentioned that it's one thing for celebrities who have a, a bit of panache to be their authentic selves. Are, how do you, how do, have you seen any good examples where somebody isn't like a major celebrity And they're having an impact in such an authentic way that, and I think I've seen it a lot with some of these more micro influencers, right? That they're just, it doesn't have to be a huge audience, but if it resonates with the group right around you, those micro cultures are sometimes more important than the macro. Do you have any thoughts on this? It's
2: an interesting question. I feel like I see it more in, on that smaller scale, in the workplace, right? when. Powers of influence. I guess you wouldn't necessarily call it fandom, but its traditional sense, but people are attracted to energy, right? And people that are unafraid to express a point of view that may not be popular, but is really speaking their truth. And so, I think that is a theme that I see not just in. In music and even it's, but also in, business, in the spaces that I've worked in, I've done a lot of work with our employee resource groups. And, and Kelly and I had the opportunity, as you mentioned, to work together at the MBA during a really critical time in our country's history during pandemic, during the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. And that truth, I think, is magnetic. And really draws people in community together to really talk, ha- have real talk and talk about what, you know, have impacts by what's happening around
3: them. I don't know if, Kelly, yeah. if you have any thought Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I'd even take it further outside of or beyond the dimensions that you mentioned. And we think about some of the leaders of some of the most important movements that are happening in our time, they've been able to really rally. The leaders of those movements have been able to rally a community around them, whether it be Black Lives Matter and the leaders in that, or women's rights movements and things of that nature. There are really pivotal figures that sit at the center of that, to Danielle's point, have a point of view and are not afraid to express it. And even when you don't, you might not agree with the politics of some of those folks. You look at fandom, fandom is at the center of a lot of those movements that are happening. So I think this notion extends beyond sports and entertainment, beyond workplace culture, and it can be in small circles or bigger circles. But there is something really there that people are drawn to the authenticity that we talked about. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for taking that. I think it's a perfect segue into sort of the last part of this conversation, which is Leaning into the moment and really mobilizing scalability and engagement. If it's a small concept, it's a big concept. There's times to lead in and ways to help fuel the success. Do you want to talk about that? Danielle, why don't we start with you?
2: Yeah, I think this idea of fluidity and the exportability of music is something that we've been spending a lot of time looking at and overall gen z's approach music, as creators they're forming entirely new aesthetics genres and fandoms their tastes are really fluid and it says a lot about who they are they consider themselves global citizens and as a generation they're more engaged with music than ever they're streaming music more than any other media And as we all know, TikTok is one of the top places that they're discovering new artists and songs. This has led to music becoming highly exportable, which is why you see the rise of K-pop and Afrobeat. So all of this has made Bernard Boy's One Night in Space possible. This is a show that he did in Madison Square Garden. He was the first Nigerian artist to headline Madison Square Garden. And sold out the show. And for those who don't know who Burna Boy is, he's credited with creating Afrofusion music. He has features with Ed Sheeran, Beyonce, and many others. But he's really helped to push Afrobeat into the mainstream. And this was a massive cultural moment that we had around because it, it really signaled that Afrobeat is popular music right? It's part of the mainstream. This was so important to him that he was already on tour, but he named this one show different than the rest of his tour. So it was called One Night in Space. And we ended up live streaming the event for his fans around the world to make it even more special. We did an edition which was integrated into the live stream experience and also available for sale at the venue. We brought in this incredible third generation airbrush artist for some of the pieces that we designed. We did gifting with influencers from across the African diaspora to build awareness. And it was a really dope project. I'm so proud of how our team brought his story to life in just such a dynamic way.
1: Wonderful, and I know we are close to being at the end of time, but I'm going to ask you ladies to give me two extra minutes because I have to ask you one personal question before I let you go. Kelly, do you want to add on to what
3: Danielle was talking about? No, I I don't know that you could say much more about that. I think you could see the influence of Burna Boy even further as he headlined the NBA All Stars halftime show, and this notion that music is popular music, I think, is just was evident when you watched the MTV VMAs that were open with Bad Bunny and closed with a show at the live stadium at Yankee Stadium sold out. So I think just like this ability of cultural music from Latin music to Afrofusion to K-pop to hip hop to really now be what is considered popular music is a huge fandom trend and this notion of fluidity that we're all really excited about. Amazing, thank you so much. And okay, for my last question,
1: I have to quickly acknowledge Rona in the audience who did put in a question. That is a big question. We do not have time for that right now. But I will tell you, if you've been to the last episode of Visionaries, we talk a lot about AI and the use of AI in creative and media and content. Let's end on a personal note. This is my favorite question. Kelly, I'm going to start with you first. If you think back to your younger self and you see all the things you've accomplished now, if that younger self said to you today, I think I want to be a marketer in the future, what would you say to her?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, Adine. I think for me, I, it's a piece of advice I remind myself of all the time. And for folks who are mentor, I offer this piece of advice also is if you have a seat at the table, don't be afraid to use your voice. Be courageous in sharing your point of view. We talked about how that comes to life through the notion of fandom being a truth teller, being courageous, saying the things that other folks are, may be afraid to say, but it comes to play and to play in everyday life as well. And if you're not going to use your voice while you have your seat at the table, then seed the seed and let someone else be there who is willing to use their voice. So that would be advice that I would offer to my younger self.
0: I I love love
2: that. that. I would add to be a great marketer, you have to love people or at least understand people. And at the heart of what we're brand building is we're finding that universal truth, that thing that Everyone believes, right, about brands. And so in order to do that, you have to be curious, you have to listen, you have to be empathetic, you have to be vulnerable. So I believe experiencing other cultures and stepping outside the norms is the best way to build that bus.
1: Thank you for bringing examples of fandom and helping us think about the power of fandom and for this gracious, wonderful personal advice. I can't thank you enough for being here. I appreciate you both. Thank you.
0: Visionaries is brought to you in partnership with The Wall Street Journal and made possible by our parent company, 24-7. To find out more about the Marketers That Matter community, visit marketersthatmatter.com. And finally, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave us a rating or review and let us know what you think.